Hey fellow travelers, Paula here with a quick note before we jump into the episode. After we finished recording this episode, we did a little deeper dive with some research into some numbers we presented on the daily deaths from COVID and found that um, what we presented was incomplete at best and had some inaccuracies. And it's really important for us to be accurate and to be transparent with you when we don't get it right. So we're including an article in the show notes that has some critique of the information that we presented and some additional information. Um, we did discuss whether we wanted to just take out that part altogether, but it created, we thought, some really important discussion and the message underneath what we were talking about was still valid. And so so we did decide to leave it in here, but again, we wanted to be transparent with um, some of the numbers maybe not being entirely accurate. So if you have questions or thoughts, you can check out the article that's linked in the show notes. And now on to the show. Thanks so much. Welcome to Sacred Intersections Podcast, where we navigate the twisty roads of harmful theology, mental health, and religious abuse. I'm Jill. I'm an ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA. And I'm Paula, and I'm a licensed counselor and a counseling professor. And Jill, we have a hot one today. Yeah, we do. We do. We are talking about COVID and some of the ways that religion and church... um, we're just going to talk about all the different ways we've been navigating this yes. um, and some of the mental health issues that COVID has brought up. Sure. And I think it's going to be a difficult conversation, but mm-hmm. a really important conversation. So I'm really glad we're having it. Yes. Uh, before we get into that, I do think we have to say hello to a new continent. A whole new continent. We have a new country in our listener family. Welcome, South Africa. South Africa. Yay. Woohoo. That's amazing. We're on six continents. It's amazing to be on six continents. It's it's humbling and wonderful to have people across the globe on this journey with us. We're really glad that you're here. We really like you, and um, we really look forward to being on this journey together with yeah. you. And come on, Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Penguins <laughs> and their t- caretakers. <laughs> come on down. And those other people who are doing really important work in Antarctica. <laughs> Please let us know if you're, I, I don't even know how you would track that in sure. Antarctica. But um, everybody's welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, yes, we are thankful for you wherever you are joining us from. Absolutely. Um, so COVID, yeah. this is one that I feel like we, we knew we had to talk about Yes, and we knew is possibly going to be rather divisive. Yes. And so we just want to reiterate what we've said in other podcasts about, we are not here to make you think like us. We just like to make you think. Exactly. We don't always agree on everything or have the same exact opinion on everything. We're just here to offer one or two, maybe more perspectives. And we we welcome the opportunity for you to share your perspectives and to, yes. to interact with us. So please don't hear anything we say in this episode as a, a finger wagging or a shaming or you need to think like us or you need to agree with us yeah. because that's not our intention at all. 
it's not our intention and I think it still may happen because we we feel pretty passionately about this. <laughs> we do. So we we're going to try to recognize the nuance in this conversation. We're going to try to just recognize the layers and that there are a wide variety of opinions out there. But we also feel pretty strongly about some things that we consider facts out there. And that seems crazy to even say consider facts, but that's <laughs> the world we're living in. It is. So, um so we we want to have just a really honest but um, respectful conversation yeah. about this topic. Yeah. And so we invite you, even if you're feeling angry, to stay with us and to just do what I tell some of my students when they're getting difficult feedback, that even if it doesn't feel good, just try to sit with it and wrestle with it a little bit before you just dismiss it out of hand. Yeah. And we will do the same if we get feedback that is different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think it's helpful for folks to know that we've put a lot of thought into not just this episode, but when we first thought about talking about COVID, we had actually thought about uh, talking about two concepts about your faith has made you well, which is the episode that came out earlier this mm -hmm. week, our, our fifth episode, and here in our sixth episode talking about faith over fear, we realized that it was too big for one episode. So it actually may be that it might be helpful for you if you'd like to go back and listen to the episode mm -hmm. about your faith has made you well. You can do that now or you can listen to all this episode and then go back. But there will be times when we refer back to that episode. So it might just be helpful for you to know that that's out there. Yeah, there's a lot of overlapping concepts, I think, from stuff we talked about last week that we're talking about this week. So, Definitely. So I do think we'll be referring back to some of that. Yeah. So you, you said faith over fear. For futuristic listeners, we're recording this in December of 2020, where our state was just put in back into a modified stay-at-home orders where numbers are right. I mean, the statistics that I'm seeing on a daily basis are incredibly frightening. Um, I know it's easy to get numbers blind at this point, but, you know, when the gauge that I saw, and I will confess that I don't know the, the science or the facts or the source behind it, but I saw like a visual of a gauge of like, we're not just in a red zone, we're in a critical stay at home, it's not safe to be in the presence of other people. Dark zone. red, yeah. dark, critical, dark red. critical, all of those yeah. sort of alarmist words. Yeah. So that's where we're, mm -hmm. that just to give some context, if you are listening to this at a different time, that's where we're coming from. And this term, faith over fear, is something that, I mean, it's not a new concept to me, but I don't know that I've heard kind of that slogan until recently and how it applies to COVID. Yeah. So I do think that that's going to be a big part of what we're going to discuss here and kind of dig into that term and how that perhaps has been twisted a little bit as well. Yeah. So do you know where that term started, Jill? Or do you know, or what's your thoughts when you hear that term? Sure. Well, so um, I was really intrigued. I was driving uh, down one of the main roads here in town earlier this week, and I saw the phrase on the back of someone's SUV, it, it, like in one of those um, vinyl decals or whatever mm -hmm. that they put in the back of their window. And I've seen other ones that say like salt life, which if there's anybody out there that has any insight to what that means, I would love for you I to tell me I just thought that was is. a beach lover. Does it mean something else? I don't know. <laughs> it's, 
every once in a while I see it with a cross in the oh, logo. So okay. I wonder if that's like salt of the earth. Is it, or... Does it have to do with Jesus or interesting? <laughs> I don't really know. Okay. Um, and I. I also have the internet at my hands and could look it up myself, but it's more fun to ask you listeners to do the work for me. So. Um, but it was interesting to me, knowing that we were going to be recording this episode, to see it on the back of So you saw Faith Over Fear. It said as Faith like a Over bumper Fear. Sticker. And I, I, I glanced over at my cell phone sitting in the passenger seat and thought for half a second, like, I wonder if I could pick it up and take a picture and text it to you, but... I did not text while I was driving, I promise, friends. Your description (laughs) sufficed, so good choice there. But it struck me that it's become like a catchphrase, and I'm not aware of it being anywhere in the Bible. I mean, the word faith is in the Bible, and the word fear is in the Bible, but the phrase faith over fear, I'm not aware of that being Mm -hmm. in any of the translations or paraphrases of scripture that I am familiar mm-hmm. with. I don't want to rule out yeah. the fact that it might be somewhere. But and the phrase do not fear shows up quite a bit. Right. Some theologians say it's the most repeated phrase in scripture. But this concept of faith over fear, I don't know directly from scripture, but I feel like it's become a little bit of a rallying cry lately, yeah. particularly I mean, tied to COVID. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I think that just kind of hits me the wrong way is that it seems like when God shows up in the Bible or an angel of God shows up in the Bible and says, do not fear, it seems to be a comfort. Like it seems to be, I recognize you're afraid. I want you to understand I'm not here to hurt you or I'm going to protect you or lots of things. Like it's a comforting, like, do not fear. I mean, I realize I'm adding the tone of voice there. (laughs) The tone of voice matters. But that's how I experience that in the Bible. It's not a shaming thing. It's not a shaming thing. And the shaming thing is how I have experienced the faith over fear from where I've seen it on social media and where I've seen it in newscasts, where it's been a, the message seems to be, if you are afraid in these times of COVID, where There are some very legitimate fears that we're going to get into, I believe. But if you are afraid, it's a finger wagging. You don't have enough faith. Yeah. It seems to be a faith cannot coexist with fear. Right. That you either have all of the faith and none of the fear or all of the fear and none of the faith. And they have to be mutually exclusive. And they're not some things that coexist together. Which is different than the theology that I yeah. will say I ascribe, ascribe well, to. It's different from even the phrase. Like you hear the phrase, it doesn't say faith instead of fear. It says faith over fear, which to me, I'm, I'm doing this visual of putting one hand over another, but the hand on the bottom is still there. Right. You know, so even the words, if you break them down and just get very technical about the content of the words, the fear is still there. But the message I have seen sure. given is that... If you're fearful, you don't have enough faith. And that, and the implication underneath that is that you're not a good Christian. You're not following God. Something's wrong with you. Shaming for the fear. Right. And so one of the interesting things that came to mind while you were talking about that is I think a lot about the ways in which we think about how much faith we have has to do with how good of a Christian we are. And I think that there are also some people who measure how good of a Christian they are based on how much they come to church. Hmm. You know, like, I'm a better Christian than you are because I have my perfect attendance pin from (laughs) Sunday school or whatever. I've never missed a Sunday. And how that might be playing into this whole shame idea Hmm. of your pastor saying, you know, we haven't seen you in church in a while. 
Um, well, right now, I will say for our congregation, you haven't I haven't seen, seen anybody of in a while. Like, yes, I preached to a computer are screen. We're get into that. <laughs> We're definitely going to get into the choices churches have made. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert, that one's coming. Yeah, and I think as you were saying that, what what also came up for me is just, again, it's not a message of that you can use your faith to cope with your fear, which I think is a legitimate message. And I think from a mental health standpoint, that's an ethical way to when a client is presenting with a faith basis and an anxiety basis, that you can look at how can this be used to help you cope. But the way the message is being sent, it's that spiritual bypass piece that we've mentioned in other episodes where it's like, just get over it. Just don't fear. Just have faith. Yes. Which works about as well as the just say no campaign from the drug, from doing drugs in the 80s that we grew up, that I grew up with. Well, and it becomes a piling on too. I think we've mentioned in another episode that the ways in which Jesus is, when Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow tomorrow will take care of itself and talks about like the birds of the air and don't worry about what you're going to wear. And like, I will say as someone who suffers from anxiety, like, or lives with anxiety is a better way of saying that. I hear Jesus saying, do not worry. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really trying hard. Um, So there's a, there's a shame aspect of like, I hear that the angels are saying, do not fear. I hear that Jesus is saying, don't worry. And I'm trying not to be afraid And I want my faith to comfort me and I want God to comfort me. So when there's someone coming at me saying like, you should not be fearful of this deadly virus that's killing more people than we've seen in many, many, many other instances in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. That doesn't compute to me. Like, yeah, "Mm, yeah, I'm still going to be afraid. Like, and there's a healthy fear too. Like, do not fear and don't worry doesn't mean like go play chicken with an oncoming train. <laughs> like nowhere do we feel like God's That's encouraging not the Bible. us to be like, <laughs> let's go stand in traffic and see what happens. I'm not going to be afraid. God will take care of me. That sounds like a sacred intersection to, to play chicken in the middle of the road. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's another episode there. But right. yeah. And I hope that that is not taken to, to be disrespectful because – God does take care of us and God is capable of doing miraculous things, but God has also gifted us science and healthcare professionals and and a brain to discern risk. Preach it, sister. And and a people who are passionate about topics that so much that they live and breathe them and this is their job and they've given us their knowledge to listen to. Right. And I believe the experts come from God. I believe mm-hmm. that, you know, that that God has called me in a specific direction to perhaps contribute to the well-being of humanity. And God has called people who are the scientists that are working on this and the people developing the vaccine and those kind yeah. of things as well. Yeah. And this is hard. We've been doing this for nine months now yeah. and we are tired and we are two of what I can only imagine are countless people who are exhausted yeah. physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually by the weight of this pandemic and all of the implications that it brings of the isolation as a as a mental health professional talk about the ways in which this pandemic is is bringing about those fears and anxieties and the implications of the implications that the pandemic has had on mental health 
Yeah. So when, when we say faith over fear, what are the fears? Right. What are the what are the ways that we're seeing our brain impacted? And one of them is just what you were talking about, that the confusion and the dissonance when we know one thing to be true and we're being told that it's not true. If if we watch the news or if we've seen someone suffer from this disease, if we've lost a loved one, we know the reality of the danger of it. Yeah. And then we're being told, ah, it's nothing, don't fear. So that's really confusing for our brain to figure out which to listen to, just to live in this perpetual, I don't trust what I'm seeing, yeah. or I don't trust what I know to be true. Yeah. Or who do I trust? If we're and, and that we're seeing that just that's a whole nother episode about who we can trust, trust and um but that's that can really weigh on us and that's part of the fatigue. I mean it would be great to be able to say I'm tired of this so it's over. Mm-hmm. And and as many are. Um so I think there is a difference between don't fear because God will take care of you even though I recognize it's a big deal and this the denial that it's happening. And I think they're both dangerous. And I think they're both twisting, you know, and I feel like maybe we don't even think about this, but there's this constant overhanging of, of fear of getting sick and dying. There's yeah. a fear of death that is more present in our lives than has perhaps been in our lives in a long time. You know, and I think back to March when here in America, when we first started to really see the numbers rise and, you know, I would bring the mail in and I would get out my Clorox wipe, which I was so fortunate to have. <laughs> Clorox right. wipe. And I wouldn't even like wipe everything off. And I, you know, just because of this just present fear of something's going to happen to me and I'm not going to be able to, I'm going to lose my life. I mean, yeah. and that was, that's much more real than I think it has been for the general population in a long time. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I don't think we have death quite as present as it seems like it's been for us personally and for the people we love. So it may be fear for your own self. It may be fear. You know, I mentioned my dad is a heart transplant survivor. He's and that means he's inherently immune compromised. So mm-hmm. many people have someone that if not themselves, that they feel vulnerable, that they have a vulnerable person in their life that they're trying to protect. Yeah. Um, so that fear of loss or anticipatory grief yeah Um, and it seems like grief around so many other things that that grief around the loss of the ability to gather to celebrate anything you know to celebrate new jobs or birthdays or uh, weddings or 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 to grieve with rituals we we don't have funerals the way that we've had i i have officiated two services Mm. during the pandemic that have been very different than the normal grief rituals that we have yeah yeah grief totally just grief in every sense of the word so grief losing people who have died and not having those rituals as you say which may seem a little silly or burdensome in the moment but there's there's a purpose behind those there's a reason why we gather and why we take food to people and why we hug people and we stand in lines to just walk through and say I'm so sorry and why we you know stand up with people and we've not been able to do that Um, many people have not been able to do that some people have been doing it anyway and I we're not here to judge that but but it's been a different kind of rituals it's a complicated grief because often when people are dying of COVID or any other, I mean, you know, it's not just the COVID people who've died, but right. when people have been in the hospital, you have, we haven't been able to be with them and yeah. comfort them and bring them their favorite food from outside. Right. And many people have died alone and, yeah. um, and many people have been sick while their loved ones have died. And so grief is 
complicated in the traditional grieving sense. But yes, as you mentioned, just everyone's life has changed and things that we didn't even know we missed were now, we've now lost. Mm-hmm. Just everyday yeah. stuff. Yep. I am amazed at the resilience of, of some dear friends of mine who will say, I, another human being has not touched me in mm-hmm. eight months. And, and that's just, not natural. That is not natural. I, I think about um, the loss of, of not being able to celebrate being a senior, a senior in high school or a senior in college mm-hmm. and, and all of the rituals that go along with that or, or you know, someone I love very much is, has gone through their first semester of college just yeah. in this last yeah. three months. I think months. back to my first semester of college and what a wonderful experience it was. And I grieve for the Paula who didn't even have to lose it. Like, what if I hadn't had that? And I'm so sad for the right. people who didn't, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I, I going to live theater is one of my favorite mm-hmm. things. And we have season tickets to um, a theater close by. And of course, Almost all of that was wiped out yeah. starting in March. And so we started the process in the summer of rescheduling shows with the money that we lost. And I actually looked at my calendar for January and saw Hamilton with yes! exclamation points there. And then I just had this moment of like, oh, but that's yeah, not going to happen. Probably it's not. probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it, and that's so that seems so trivial compared to some of those big losses but it was just another like I saw in the exclamation points how excited I was to think about surely by January we'll be able to do this and then it was like no we probably won't yeah and the fatigue from thinking we mentioned the Stockdale paradox of like surely by this point and every time it doesn't happen it's just a different kind of like oh still doing this so yeah that takes its toll yeah I remember going through Lent, you know, very high holy season in the church and and being really amazed at, gosh, I wonder what Easter is going to look like. And I I really genuinely remember turning to my partner and saying, surely by Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it grieves me that, yeah, that our are. Advent and our Christmas season is not going to look the way that we're used to it looking. And there are aspects of of this particular season that's it's hard not to see family. It's hard not to think about singing Silent Night with our dear church family whom we love so much and holding our candles wrapped in red yeah. cray paper and, and, you know, singing them together and hugging. And um, that's, it's, it's a loss. It's a big loss. But you said earlier, so it so resonates with me. Just because we're all exhausted, we can't just collectively decide like, well, I'm tired of this, so I'm just going to stop doing all the stuff. Because in in some ways, I, I wonder about our state here in North Carolina, if that's maybe not the approach that some people <laughs> have taken. Because if you look at this little curve, early on in the pandemic, we were using the phrase flatten the curve. And like, I genuinely think that we flattened it in the wrong direction. Like mm. it's such a spike up to, you know, you know the, crazy high the metaphor. And I don't mean to laugh because this we recognize this is a serious, serious topic, of course, as all of ours are. But I have to laugh because I saw someone, a meme or someone use the metaphor of like, it's like we're all doing a group project and that one person who can't get it right is dragging us all down. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Just, Anybody and, that's ever worked in a group project, like, it, uh-huh, it totally resonates. Like, so, because, and, it's, because it's such a cruel disease, because there are 
people who seem to be following all of the rules with the air quotes that mm-hmm. are that are observing the distance, that are wearing the mask, that are doing all of the quarantining and doing all the things and, and still, are still getting, getting sick. sick. And that's another when we look at what these fears are or what the mental health toll is, that's another just confusion because so much of so much of anxiety comes from feeling out of control yes. and feeling like we don't have power over what's happening to us or around us or in us. And this is one of those things where there just doesn't seem to be clear answers. Right. You know, I feel like if, if we had a, even though I kind of feel like there are clear answers, right. yeah. but there yeah. seems to be people who do everything right yeah. and we're still in this lockdown yeah and people who don't do who are traveling all over the world and gathering with massive amounts of people who don't seem to be getting sick so it's not a fair disease and that that's this kind of random reinforcement about what we're just getting sent a lot of different messages and it goes back to again what to believe yeah Um, and that's i think comes from this is maybe a down the road topic too but just how what an individualistic society you are versus a collectivist society about I'm even though I think I can do it and be fine we don't have this mentality of even if I'll be fine it's still the right thing to do for the people around me and humanity and people I don't know versus this is my right and but that's I think another discussion but well but I I also think it's important that we at least acknowledge the ways in which the handling of and the response to the COVID-19 pandemic has been politicized and the polarizing nature and the enmity that has come out of. The way that it's been politicized. The way that it's been politicized has created this enmity. So if you disagree with me, you are doing it wrong. So going to church is in one camp and not going to church is another camp. It's the sa- in the same way that you're told you can have all the faith and none of the fear or all the fear and none of the faith. You can either do things my way or you're wrong or you disagree with me and and other ways. And the lack of consistency, the lack of leadership, the lack of comfort and guidance and a we're all in this together right. mentality rallying around it yeah. rather than that message being sent and and having this idea of we're all in this together and we don't know if we're doing the exact right thing, but let's try it yeah. versus no, you're wrong and this being used to divide us more. And we've done it to ourselves and we've allowed our leaders to do it. And that's also, I think, really contributed to anxiety and mental health and to just our unsettled feeling when we're feeling so divided from each other and we're feeling the tension and hostility in the grocery store, right. in, the, you know, everywhere we go. I mean, of course, there's lots of other things contributing to this in December 2020, but you know, when things are politicized on either side or all sides, not to even make it a binary, but they're just politicized in a way, is taking something and using it to maintain power or to gain power. Right. And it often involves the othering of people. Yeah. I love it when you use other as a verb. That is so helpful to me. It, it's, it really resonates with me, too. It just It's a way of recognizing this us against them mentality mm-hmm. and that they, whoever they are, whether that's a racial group or a different socioeconomic status or a religion or people who wear masks or people who don't, right. it's a way to make them less than human and make they of them 
and I'm an us and I am right no matter what yeah. and they are wrong no matter what and it it just it and it breaks down any desire to talk to each other and recognize our shared humanity right it seems to turn in, turn into a finger wagging and a shaming yes which is I I don't know of any time when shame is a helpful like we are both dog people um, <laughs> and like even in dog training, they say that shame is not helpful with your training your dogs. It's sure so not it's helpful not, with mine. <laughs> it's not helpful with our dogs. It's not helpful with humans. Like it's shaming someone and figure wagging them. Much as I will say very early on in the pandemic, I remember being in the grocery store and one of our grocery local grocery stores had directional signs in them. And I had someone from her church family tell me that they heard me <laughs> yell at somebody because they were going the wrong way down the aisle. And I was super embarrassed by that. But it was this moment of like, you're not following the rules. You're not doing it the right way. I'm sure you did not yell, Jill. I want to make that clear. It might have been a little um, sternly worded. Ah, you're not going the right way. I'm a rule follower. So I wanted this. Beloved child of God going the wrong way down the aisle to know that they weren't following the rules the way they were supposed to be. Well, and that's another, you know, if we go back to that theme of of where religious abuse or religious harm can happen when rules are over relationships, what you were concerned about in that moment wasn't going down the right way, going down the aisle the right way. It was this the point behind this is to help us be safe and right. you are trying to help them and you to stay safe yes. and that's the relational piece it's the meaning behind it not just you have to go this way because the arrow says it <laughs> which is where that can really get thank you twisted very, and, yes. <laughs> and yes. caught up and that's i think what's what's kind of started too is people are you know, I, I know we've got some other anxieties to get into, but, you know, the, like the thing with the masks that I know we're going to spend some time on. But this idea of I'm not going to wear a mask because you can't make me versus maybe really engaging in what the point behind it could be, even if you don't completely buy into it. Yeah. Just that there might be a way to help save someone's life behind this yeah. versus no one's going to tell me a rule that I have to follow just because it's a rule. Right. Um, Right. Well, we what we get into is the concept of, uh, for many of us who follow Jesus and many of us who are part of Abrahamic faiths, where it's said in the Hebrew Bible, we're invited to love our neighbor. And so I guess I would like to posit that one of the ways that we love our neighbors by following some of these precautions and protocols that are being suggested to us. I think the point of the precautions and protocols was to help us love our neighbor. Yeah. As was the point of the Ten Commandments. Yes. So it's, again, not about following a rule. It's yeah. about the purpose and meaning behind the rule. Right. That right. that just gets, you know, underneath what's on the content and, and surface to what's really going on here. Yeah. What was really the point around this. Right. Um, right. And that's kind of like. Another just mental health issue is the the gaslighting that seems to be happening, telling you to question what you're seeing and what you know to be true, mm-hmm. you know, kind of dismissing the numbers, dismissing what's right. really happening in the world. Yeah. And I, again, we say we're not here to make you think like we are, but I, if there are listeners who've made it this far, who still think that this is a conspiracy or that these numbers are inflated or that they're not right, 
I have health care workers who would be glad to share their experiences with you. And even if the numbers are not where we say they are, they are happening at a level across the country, across the world, that we you just can't turn a blind eye to that. I can give you eyewitness testimony right. to understand the reality of the situation, whether it's happening on the level that these numbers are saying they are or not. It's yeah. enough that we need to be paying attention to. Yeah. So I would just offer that as far as the gaslighting piece goes. Sure. Yes. And and many of us are getting a little numbers blind and a little data fatigued by everything that's being thrown at us. I will say for me, one of the jarring uh, pieces of data that came before my eyes this week was uh, a piece of information that talked about the deadliest days in American history, I believe it was. I, I don't have it right in front of me, but it ranked them as the Galveston hurricane was the deadliest day, and the second deadliest day was Antietam, and the third deadliest day was last Thursday. And the fourth deadliest day was last, last Friday. Right. I don't know if that's true, but it was. It was it was in the last week. Yeah. And below that was September 11th, 2001. And as someone who is born and raised just outside of New York City, for whom New York City is a very important part of my home, that was very jarring to me because particularly after September 11th, our lives changed drastically. There are things that we did before September 11th, we walked to the gate. We took our, we didn't have to take our shoes off before we got on planes. Yeah. There was um, different understandings we about. We could take a whole shampoo bottle on our right. carry-on and not have to check a bag. And the, and the drastic response that came to the loss of life on September 11th, 2001. And now the loss of life, we're having Every day. September 11th, 2001, over and over and over again, like some kind of a Groundhog Day. Yeah. And yet we still are hesitant to take a piece of fabric and cover our nose and mouth. And yeah. Um, and and I, I really genuinely do mean I am sorry if that offends you. I, I don't want that to offend you. I don't want it to seem disrespectful. But I will say that I have trouble understanding the hesitation when the loss of life is that great. Yeah, and I don't know if it's that if it's that othering with the loss of life and that it's that's not happening to me or that's just numbers that are meaningless to me or I don't know why that isn't jarring in mm-hmm. the same way. And I also just when we think of September 11th, we just accepted like okay, now I take my shoes off when I go through yeah. security at the airport and I might grumble about it, but we do it now how many years later you know right. and and it's so little that i feel like it's being asked of us mm-hmm. and to to wear a mask and so as we pivot maybe into the ways that the church is or, re- or religion or christianity has contributed to harm in the kinds of covid like i do think that that has been one of the most baffling pieces for me is the hypocrisy I hear the judgment in that, but that's, I don't think there's a better word for that because I've heard this from people within the church and people from outside the church who are looking at us and saying the words that y'all are saying and the actions and the things that you choose to advocate for don't add up and don't make sense. The hypocrisy of saying I am pro-life and I will not wear a mask. Yeah, that, that doesn't, 
it's makes sense. It doesn't. To me. I mean, if there's any chance it could save one life, mm-hmm. why why wouldn't we do that? Right. Like, why would we feel like our rights are more important than life, especially if we it's near two hundred eighty thousand? Mm-hmm. I think from the last number I saw, why are those lives not just as important? And why are you making it a political issue versus? A pro-life issue. Yeah. That's so confusing to me. Yeah. And no one has answered that for me, mm-hmm. clearly. There's been a, I don't believe the data. I've heard that answer. Okay. I don't really believe it helps. But I, I also still don't understand, like, if it might help. Like, right. we don't know. Maybe we don't know how much it does help. Yeah. But we also don't know that it doesn't help. Right. Like, why wouldn't we try? Sure. And I, I think that... Um, the other thing that I hear in in sort of that idea of that that hypocrisy is again that individualism, um, a, a term that I heard used today that uh, really I will say struck a nerve was religious liberty. If I want to worship, I am going to worship, um, and I would just like to say that if we say that we can only worship in a sanctuary with four walls and a roof at, you know, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Sunday morning, that's putting some pretty drastic limits on God. Um, Amen. Early on in the, um, oh, maybe it was the end of March or beginning of April, I remember um, was my day to answer phones here at church and a phone call came in and the question, I, I said, you know, thank you for calling our church how can I help you? And the, there was no hello. There was just, are you, are you having worship? And I said, yes, we are having worship. I said, oh, that's, that is really great to hear. I've been calling all kinds of churches to find out if they're having worship. And I said, well, that is great. We are having worship. We worship at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. She said, that's wonderful. You know, what's your address? Where are you located? And I said, well, here's where we're located. Our worship services are happening digitally. Do you have access to a computer? She said, that is not real worship. That is not true mm. worship. Um, and we got into this discussion about whether or not the church was open or not. Mm. And and I have a very strong and deep belief that the church is not a building or a campus. Mm-hmm. The church is the body of Christ. The church is people. The church is you and me and our beloved dear listeners and those of us who are trying to follow Jesus. So the church is always open. And as we've said in other episodes, Jesus didn't do his work in a church yeah. for the most part and yeah. got ran out of his hometown church. Right. So right. there's again this disconnect with where this comes from and yeah. why this rule about in person in a pew Sunday morning has yeah. to happen and the ways in which we have seen again it's data that we're seeing and so okay you can reject data but churches are becoming super spreader events because people insist that worshiping in person is the way that it must happen and it has to be done this exact way at this exact time at this exact address and location and to me that is an embodiment of of that principle we've been talking about of rules over people right that the rules state that it has to be at this time at this place in this way that you have to have 
you know, the Lord's Prayer with thou's and, and, you know, said a certain way to like make it count. Like, like God is somehow sitting somewhere, like taking (laughs) Taking attendance or or anything (laughs) like that. I mean, yes, it says in the Bible and scripture where two or more are gathered, God will be with us. But it also says, I will never leave you or forsake you. God says that to us. Jesus says, I am with you always until the end of the age. Y'all, age ain't over yet. (laughs) Jesus is still with us. Jesus is with us. And to say Jesus is only with me when I'm in church. In the pew, surrounded by people. um, at, At great risk to ourselves. I think back to that story of of god's given us so many things why would we be like the the guy that you know the the guy with the flooding who's Mm -hmm. rejecting the radio broadcast and the rowboat maybe god gave us zoom ever think of that right oh lord jesus the zoom calls (laughs) um yeah and it's you know it's it's not we we recognize this is a multi-layered decision and we recognize this has been a really hard decision for a lot of churches and that many pastors have wrestled with it and have decided to be open for a period of time or are still open and that not everyone is just blindly going in screaming faith over fear although some are there are definitely some are yes it's there's a few th- it's it's the shaming of that you, if you are not in church in person on a Sunday morning, you are less than. Right. That's what the othering does. You are less than me as a person. You're less than me as a good Christian, in air quotes, good Christian. Um, and that's the part that's really harmful. And I do think there is some harm in making these decisions despite the data that is out there. You know, when I know some churches that really came back for a little while over the summer and they followed all social distancing protocols and taped off areas in the pew and mandated masks and really took it seriously and are now not doing that any longer. So it's an evolving decision and we don't want to pretend like we've got all the answers here. But I think the question is, what is your motivation? Mm -hmm. Why are you making these decisions? Are you saying we have to be in church in person because we're not going to make budget if we don't do it? Is it a money thing? Is it a money thing? Is it an ego thing that you need to see people nodding and praising you for what you say on the way out the door? <laughs> is it, I mean, I know it's not with you, <laughs> but, but you know, is it, is it a power and control thing that you just need to have control over what's happening and no one's going to tell me what to do with my quote flock? Is that what's driving it? Is it your fear of losing that power and control? You know, so that's, or is it truly that you've weighed it and you said, you know what, I've heard from enough people that their mental health needs to be in church. And I still disagree with it, but I can at least respect it if there's been a true critical thinking process of why am I doing this and an examination of my motivations, not just uh, I'm on this political side of this issue. Right. Well, and to take into account the fact that we're making decisions that are not just impacting our physical health but our emotional health and our mental health and our spiritual health. I know of someone very dear to me who has a parent who's suffering from dementia. And the phrase that they shared with me is that they know they've made decisions that might not have been the best decisions for their parent's physical health, but that it was going to be the right decision for their mental health. And they mourn that 
them being put in that place. And I also recognize that there's a lot of layers to this. And like we've said it before, and we'll say it plenty of times more in this episode alone, this is hard. Yeah. It is hard. And if you're having a hard time, you are not alone. Yeah. And in the like recognizing the hardness, as we've said in so many other episodes, doesn't come with easy answers. Mm-hmm. So in faith over fear seems to imply this, this is an easy answer. Just do whatever you want to do and you'll be fine. And you'll, and as we said in our last episode, you know, God will protect you. And if God doesn't protect you, you must not have had enough faith. Right. That's the twisting. That's the harm that we're right. talking about. Right. Your faith has made you well. So if you're not well, then you must not have enough faith. Well, if you're fearful, then that must mean you might not have enough faith. And I, I alone can say to say about the mental health spirals and gymnastics that I have had to do to try and and work my way around what 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 I can do as a religious leader and what I can do as part of a religious community to help care for and love my neighbors and my church family and my community and and wrestle with there there are some risks and 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 maybe when we say we're created in the image of God, we talk about our conscience and we talk about, you know, mm-hmm. Jiminy Cricket that's sitting on our shoulder. And I might have said this in another episode, but like, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. And maybe mm-hmm. being created in the image of God means that we've been given a trustworthy gut to say, this is a risk that I'm willing to take or this is a risk that I'm not willing to take. And as part of the family of God, we can allow people to take that risk or not take that risk while withholding some some judgment or by being able to speak to them in an open and honest way and then being able to hear us question is that really a risk that you want to take because it's a risk you're taking but the risk you're taking is impacting the lives of others yeah and to be willing to have those conversations and to wrestle with those questions rather than blindly perhaps follow a leader that may not have your best interest at heart or who have not asked themselves that question. Right. Um, right. So that's, I, I, that's the main thing. Again, we don't, we just want to be sure you're thinking and that you're doing like my dad said, question everything, but eventually we do have to come to an answer. And, um, and I just, I would rather err on the side of loving my neighbor and decreasing risk and watching you from my bed or my living room or my dining room table on a Sunday morning and putting a mask on when I go out. And that's, that's not a burden. I mean, it is a burden in that I miss people, but you know, it's not compared to someone's life that they might lose. It's not a burden. And in the more longer we don't do it, the longer we're going to have to try to keep doing it. Right. Those of us who are doing it. Well, I think about the ways in which we talk about how God is present wherever we are and how we can worship God from the shores of a beach or from our bedroom or from our coffee table. And because we can worship God anywhere, why wouldn't we take the, the precaution of doing that? Because there are so many people whom we love who don't have that choice. There are people whom we love that are teachers who don't mm, have the choice about yeah. not going into schools and teaching students and putting themselves and and their families and their the lives of their loved ones at risk. There are people whom we love that are healthcare professionals who healthcare professionals, I say this 
with every ounce that I am, you are superheroes. Like absolutely. And I'm amazed at the the ways in which you are constantly throwing yourselves on the front lines to care for people and to guide us. And I cannot imagine how mystified you must be when there are those people who are coming yes. in without a mask, who are throwing caution to the wind. That must seem like such a, it's a gut punch to me. It's I can only punch. imagine what a gut punch it would be to healthcare And it's that, you know, betrayal that we've talked about in other yes. episodes too. You know, having, thank you for saying that, having worked in both hospitals and educational systems. Yes, I, I just, all the doctors and nurses, I worked in the emergency room for five years. It's just stressful on the best day. And to have been doing this for nine months now, having to take all the extra precautions, everything they do is an extra added literal layer sometimes, but just it's exhausting for them. They're doing everything they can every day to try to help people not die. And then Mm -hmm. to look around at the simple things that we could do, it must feel like such a betrayal. And the teachers as well, you know, yes, we, we, I've, many, many teachers in my family and in our friend group that is that are just so dear to me. And I know they're terrified. Right. And they're trying to do the best they can to lead and to be there for their students and to set good examples. And it's also exhausting. Mm-hmm. So all of these job and career issues and people who've lost their jobs or had, there's the ripple effects of this is, is the mental health ripple effects of this is huge. And we have to be able to support each other and be there for each other rather than dismissing these fears or ripping each other down. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the ways that we often sort of bring our episodes around is we talk about U-turns and and what we would really like to hope people see. Let's take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors and we will be right back. So I think when we're talking about these U-turns, the way that we want to see things, I think we're, we've already said that in this episode, we're hoping that there are listeners out there who are just examining their motivations and whether that's their motivation to go to church. Um, if there are religious leaders that are thinking, is it safe to gather my congregation? Is it not safe to gather my congregation in person, indoors? Um, I mean, I want to mention that there's been some really beautiful, creative things that have come out of this pandemic. And I don't want to be Pollyanna about that. I don't want to say that this is not yeah. insanely hard because it's it's stupid It's not hard. a dismissal of all those things we've been talking about for this whole episode. And these other things can sit with that. Yeah, yeah. One of the highlights of my summer was uh, we are, a, our, our congregation is, is a predominantly white congregation. And over the summer here in America, there's a lot going on about racial reconciliation And a dear friend of mine, who is the pastor of a black church, invited our congregation to join his congregation and to have a parking lot worship service. It was so cool. It was so cool and amazing. And y'all, my favorite thing to come out of this, (laughs) everybody sat in their cars and they brought their sound system out and like bless anybody else in the neighborhood that really wasn't interested in being a part of the worship (laughs) service because it was super loud. They were a part of the worship service. They were definitely a part of the worship service, but... 
I love it when I get to interact in a black church because there is a lot of interaction between the religious leaders and the worship leaders and the congregation. Your amens and your preach-its and things like that. And my favorite phrase to come out of that is my dear friend invited his congregation to give a honk offering to the Lord. (laughs) And everybody honked their horns and it was this moment of joy and togetherness that was just beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And the things we were praying for and the ways in which we were calling on the Holy Spirit to heal divisions and to to drive out the the disproportionate number of deaths, I think it's it's an important thing to mention that COVID-19 has disproportionately affected people of color. Yes. Yes, Um, And we're two white ladies talking about that. So, yeah. But, um, there has been a beauty in the way that our congregation does worship. We uh, edit our worship together and invite people to record portions of, you know, liturgy, which is like the prayers or call and response things that we do in our worship service in their homes. And so when you're watching a worship service, you're literally being invited into someone's home. And there's an intimacy there, even though it's from behind a screen that's that's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think the phrase that Glennon Doyle uses is brutal. It is beautiful and brutal at the mm-hmm. same time. And that that really sums it up for me that there's these these brutal moments that that our, our congregation here in North Carolina gets to have people worshiping with us in Missouri and Texas and Florida. Yeah. And, and people have found us yeah. because who might not have visited our church, but they've been looking for churches and found us online and been been able to watch services from nine months ago and right. really get a feel for who we are and if yeah. this is who they like to be. And, you know, going back to the worship service with the black church, I, we're going to do a whole, probably multiple, but at least there will be upcoming episodes on race and how there's been religious harm around this. But I remember, you know, we invited their church to come and have a similar outdoor fellowship here. And unfortunately, we got rained out and it didn't work. And then it, now it's cold here. Right. <laughs> but I remember you saying that we were the first white church that had invited them back, that they had done so much work inviting so many predominantly white churches to join them for worship service and that we were the first one. And that's heartbreaking. And that's, I think, quite typical of the way that racial reconciliation has been going. But that's also an opportunity that I don't know that we would have that would have been on our radar in the same way to invite them and to take that step and to really be aware that we need to be doing more outreach on our end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and and just like we believe that we should be doing work on racial reconciliation as as I I happen to believe all white people should be doing work mm-hmm. on racial reconciliation. It's the work that we're invited to do to love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so that's racial reconciliation work. And I believe that that's wearing a mask and that's mm-hmm. observing a safe physical distance. And mm-hmm. that's making hard choices, choices. Please do not hear me saying that it is easy for us not to be worshiping together in person. Mm-hmm. We miss it. I'm, it's I it's I I'm sad every Sunday. I it's it is it is so we I we get it. It is so so hard. Right. And we're hopeful that group project mentality that if everyone will get on board, that if if everyone will 
ascribe to the gifts that God has given us, the gifts of science and healthcare protocols and, and hopefully, you know, helpful vaccines and things like that, that this will not be a forever thing, that this, yeah. this will be something that we look back on and say, look at the way in which God brought us through this wilderness. Yes. Look at the way in which we found our way to the other yeah. side. That we will embrace the gift of science, mm-hmm. that that's a, a perhaps U-turn that we can make. Um, because I do believe that's God's work, the advances in the scientists and all the people working so hard to figure this out and to give us those answers that we've been craving, that we'll embrace that and yeah. that we'll come back to each other, you know, and that we'll release some of our pride on both sides that have caused us division and made us unable to talk to each other about this. Yes. That we'll really start thinking about why, is this my hill to die on? And I hear that metaphor in the context of what we're saying, and it sounds really, really morbid. So instead of, is this, is this where I really want to put my stake in the ground yeah and is this the battle I want to is pick? this the battle I want to mm-hmm. pick I just don't understand how wearing a cloth piece of cloth on your face is a battle that I just I don't understand it and so really examining is this the battle we want to choose and listening to each other because I really have I, I will tell you if you're listening to this and shaking your head at what I'm saying I've really tried to hear from the anti-maskers. I've really tried to understand where they're coming from. And I still have not heard anything that has made me go, I can respect where you're coming from. I can't, I've not gotten there yet. Other than, you know, perhaps um, we, again, there's always answers of the deaf community. This has been really hard for them to not be able to read lips and to have that kind of, and people who suffer anxiety from that. So this is not who we're talking to for sure. sure. But for the vast majority of people, who can do it and again who have the privilege of wearing a mask without having anxiety or have the privilege of wearing a mask and it not impacting our ability to communicate with each other if we would do that for each other then we wouldn't have to have the people who don't have that same privilege um dealing with it yes well and and you use the word privilege which i really appreciate because it is a privilege and and it is a privilege to be able to to worship god can can we not, as faith communities and followers of Jesus and, and as, as even not followers of Jesus, as, as beings that have been created by God, ascribe to the fact that God is bigger than mm. our fear, that God is bigger than our rules and restrictions, and that God can come into our homes and our coffee tables and our computer screens and our televisions and be with us when we're worshiping and that we can rejoice when the privilege of worshiping together indoors in person is restored. Yes. But that God is not leaving us to our own devices because we're not able to be in a sanctuary, because we're not able to worship God the way it, it, in in a certain way that it was designed that's that's my u-turn that that god is present with us wherever we are and yes. god hears our prayers and our worship and loves us wherever we are whenever we are there's not a limit on yeah the attention god can give us or the love that god can give us or the grace that god can pour out on us and so instead of taking the term religious freedom and again, politicizing it, mm-hmm. take it and really look at the freedom God has given us 
to worship in so many different ways Yes, that we have, that we've been given this freedom. And, you know, side note, soapbox on the religious freedom. It's just, this is one of my soapboxes, just watering down that concept of religious persecution. That is not happening here. That is not happening in America with religious persecution. There are countries where that is actually happening, where people do lose their lives for religious practices that they're trying to do or the ways that they think. And it's insulting to people in these countries that do not have religious freedom when we weaponize that term for things like being asked to do things that protect our society and protect each other. Mm -hmm. So I heard the edge of my voice. I'm going to step back down because that's that's my one little soapbox moment. Sure. <laughs> we just, you said it, motivation, motivation and, and the invitation from, from the Hebrew Bible in Leviticus, the invitation from the Christian Bible and the Gospels, the words from Jesus' mouth to love your neighbor. There's lots of ways to love your neighbor and we need help. We need the guidance and the wisdom and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to help us do that. So let's work together. Let's love our neighbor together. Please help us. And, you know, the U-turn that I would say, in addition to all of that, that just persist. You know, it's been, we know it's wearying. We know that we all want to be done and that it's easy to let our guards down or just to pretend like it's not a big deal. And I just, just recognize that if we can sit with all of these horrible things we've talked about and try to keep putting one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. with persisting yes. with whatever in whatever way we can and that's going to look really different for different people yes you know how i persist might be really different from someone who's barely getting out of the bed and that's okay right too um, and god is with you while you're persisting and god is with the person in their bed who can't get out of bed persisting. Yeah. God is with you and God is with you. Yeah. I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. And be creative. Look for ways that we can that we can reach out to people and love our neighbor rather than getting trapped in these rules of what we have to do. Right. There are lots of ways to do it. And I believe, you know, again, this doesn't diminish all the bad things, but there are so many opportunities here that we can take. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a hard one, and and we don't take that lightly. And we are grateful that you have been a part of this conversation with us, and we would love to interact with you. We'd love to hear what you're thinking. We'd love for you to, to challenge us or to share your perspective with us. We would appreciate it if you were nice when you're doing <laughs> that. Um, but we're honored to be a part of this journey, and we're grateful that you're along on the journey with us. Said it before, and I'll say it again. We really like you. Yeah. And we, you know, we we recognize that all of our episodes are these big topics, that we can never cover everything in an hour. I'm sure we'll hit stop on the end of this and think of all these things we wish we had said (laughs) so none of these episodes are the end of these conversations exactly that's so helpful yeah Yeah. i definitely see us happy in future episodes where we share questions from y'all or comments you've made on different episodes and we have an ongoing conversation about that so we do want to just make clear that yeah this is not the period at the end of covid for sure on many different levels definitely Um, definitely and we're grateful for those of you that have already interacted with us we love getting your messages and your comments and your and your constructive feedback feedback and everything yeah we're working on 
um, we've, we've worked on our sound quality and we hope it's better. And, um, we've just have really loved interacting with you. Keep it coming. Um, Paula, tell us there's all kinds of ways all to interact kinds with of us. ways to find us. So please, um, find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at sacred intersections podcast. We're on Twitter at sacred pod. We have a website called sacredintersectionspodcast.com. You can find all our episodes there, or of course, wherever you're listening to this, you can continue to find us there. Um, If you liked this episode, if you think someone will enjoy it, please share it with people. Like that's the way I've learned about all my favorite podcasts is someone saying, I think this is something that might make you think. So if you think this might make someone else think, please just spread the word, leave a review on Apple podcast or um, message us through any of those avenues that we talked about. So that sounds great. And we definitely want to say, like we said, thank you to everybody that's reached out to us. We want to say a special thank you to Andrew, who's been our um, editor and, and associate producer and has helped us in a lot of ways. And podcast so, helper extraordinaire. Yeah, thank thanks, you, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. And um, we are grateful. We're grateful. Yes, we're grateful for you, all who are listening. I'm grateful for you, Jill. I'm grateful for you, Paula. That we can have these conversations. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yes, persist and safe travels on all of your sacred intersections throughout the week. Woohoo!